podcast our past. Stories from the history of the Lancaster and Morecambe area. Hello, my name is Anuhya and I'm here to fill you with the information on the slave trade, a time misunderstood by us all. The dark side to the past. The slave trade began long ago, lasting 57 years in England, longer worldwide. Slavery had existed in many civilizations beforehand. The pattern followed in the trade was slaves were forcefully sent from Africa to countries in the northwest of our map, such as America. They were roughly exchanged with colonial products and materials, such as sugar and mahogany in North American countries. The way these raw goods were exchanged and taken to England, however, was horrid. These poor souls were packed tightly on board, with a high risk of being flung overboard to lighten the ship's load. And even if they managed to survive the travel horrors, life in the new homes weren't much better. From young ages, these people were set to work, in bitter circumstances, with severe punishments for retaliation. Now, let's move back to England. The first trader was John Locke, with John Hawkins as the highest, wealthiest one. Lancaster was the fourth largest port worldwide, where ships docked at Bronkbank's shipyard. Young men went to poverty-stricken countries to take over and trap people as slaves in battles and fights, while Lancaster is considered to have sent a petition for slavery. They learnt from their mistakes, though, and they were the first to build a memorial. A ship statue's deck was unveiled on Columbus Day, October 10th, 2005, as a commemoration. However, slaves were treated ruthlessly, their dead bodies buried in fields or simply put in bins, and only salty cornmeal and fish was provided for food. Most were taken from Central or West Africa, and there were many famous people known to have owned slaves, a list including George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, and many more, and also established parts of the royal family, such as William the Third, sixteen eighty nine to seventeen o two, and Mary the Second, sixteen eighty nine to sixteen ninety four. Thomas Hind, two times mayor of Lancaster, was said to have promoted the slave trade, but everyone soon learned what a fatal experience it was for us all. Through the years. Many have tried to redeem us. Many statues have been created to remember the past of Lancaster. A few examples are ones such as the one near the Priory, which has been vandalised. Another is near the Loon, where they have small statues picturing the pain of the slaves. There is also the evidence of an old bridge, which cracked open occasionally to let out large passing ships through and welcome them to Lancaster. Beyond Radio. Working with Escape to Make presents Podcast Our Past. Now I'm going to be interviewing Professor Alan Rice from the University of Central Lancashire. Hi, how are you doing today? I'm doing brilliant, yeah, thanks. For the first question, do you know the general age group for slaves back then? Well, yeah, there's not really a general age group. They tend to be quite young. So the enslaved Africans are taken from the west coast of Africa and... There's more male slaves come across, more enslaved male enslaved Africans come across, mm. uh, and they tend to like the plantation owners are uh, demanding what they call prime Africans. That's Africans in their prime. That is Africans 
from about 12 to about 25, 30. And in fact, some of the slave traders would try and, if they had any older slaves, they would get some black dye and try and make the, the dye show so that they could pretend they were younger. So yes, basically they're quite young and they often take children as well, mothers and children. So they, they keep them separately. So they have the mothers and children, the, the men are usually in the bottom deck, chained together. The women and children usually have a little bit more freedom and they're kept on the top deck. And there are often 40 or 50 under 12 year olds on a voyage, usually sometimes with their mothers, usually with the mothers, but not always. That's quite bad. Yeah. And um, just thinking, the point that you said was quite interesting. Is there any reason there were more male slaves? Yeah, especially at first, uh, enslaved Africans would only have a lifespan once they arrived in the West Indies or North America. You know, the United States eventually yeah. became of just five years. And um. they wanted to get the most out of them. And uh, they felt that young male slaves, they could get them to work hard increasingly women were taken as well and what they would do would would be it sounds awful and this is what they did would would be they'd work them very hard but they would also breed what they would call breed from them and they would literally call them breeders it's awful things to contemplate this honestly what they were really interested in was just getting the most work out of them and then then importing new africans especially in the west indies oh that's that's quite bad. Yeah, it's it's exceptionally bad. There is nothing more cruel than the transatlantic slave system. Twelve million Africans taken across the Atlantic, enslaved Africans, and of those, over a million died on the passage alone. And then each of them only has an average lifespan of five years once they get there as well. Do you know who abolished the slave trade and how it came to end? Yeah, no, that's a very good question. But some people might sort of say this person abolished it or that person abolished it. But what happened to abolish the slave trade was a gigantic movement of people who saw the injustice. There were leaders. I'm not going to mention the leaders here in Europe because we always mention those. In fact, the slave trade wouldn't have ended without revolts by enslaved Africans against their oppressors. And the most important revolt happened in San Domingo, which is today's Haiti, in 1791, when enslaved Africans revolted against their terrible conditions and led a slave revolt, which led to the first black-led republic in, uh, in 1803. Do you know who is one of the most famous slave traders? There's, there's a few. Uh, would you like me to talk about Lancaster slave traders in particular? Yes, please. Yeah. So actually, one of the most famous and one of those who, well, at the end of the slave trade, I mean, you probably know this, but at the end of the slave trade and at the end of slavery in Britain in 1833 and in the 1830s and into the early 40s, compensation was paid. Did you know who got the money for the compensation? No. The slave owners. So no slave was paid compensation, but the slave owners were paid compensation for their goods. That is horrible. It is, it, is, it is all really horrible. But what happens is that one of the people who gets the most money in compensation is John Bond, who owned plantations in, in Grenada in the West Indies. And he got tens of thousands of pounds worth several million in today's money. 
in compensation for the enslaved Africans. And he lived on Dalton Square, Lancaster. But there are other famous slave traders, the Rawlinson family, the Lindo family. You know Lindo Square? Yeah. Just It's just right there, isn't it, next door yeah. to your school? The Satterthwaite family, they had a house, a beautiful Georgian house in Castle Park. Many, many people and uh, those names you'll hear them it's quite interesting to think that it's so related to such a big matter if you think about it it is it is and you know it still has consequences right down to today many historians think that racism is an absolute consequence of the the ways in which transatlantic slave trade was set up because in order to justify the enslavement of so many Africans they talked about Africans being inferior non-Christian and that it was their right to enslave them. Do you know what happened to at least like one of the slaves who was here? Yeah I know about several but I want to tell you the story of the one that I was got most excited about who we only found out about in 2018 and I'd like to tell you I'd like to tell you that last night we found out about a new black boy and his burial in Lancaster. Last night? Last night at a meeting I found out. That um, research will be published very soon, but I, I can't tell you over the radio now, I'm afraid. I can't give you that scoop because it no wasn't problem. my research. But it's very exciting. But I want to tell you about some a man, well, a boy we found out about in 2018. He was enslaved in Hesham. You know where Hesham is? Yeah. Yeah, just... just five miles away from here, and he was owned by the Reverend, get this, Thomas Clarkson, the rector of Hesham Parish Church. And he was never baptised, so he didn't have a name. And when he ran away, because he did run away, his master, the Reverend Thomas Clarkson, did not feel guilty about owning a slave. And we know that because he put adverts in the papers asking for his enslaved African to be returned to him. His enslaved African is named there as Ibu Boy. And Ibu Boy had his country marks on his temple. On his temple? So on his uh, forehead, yeah? yeah? And you know what country marks might be? No. So his country marks are his tribal marks. So he was born in Africa, an Ibu boy from Nigeria. Ibu is a, is a tribe in Nigeria. So he's an Ibu boy in Nigeria. So the people who owned him knew all about it? They knew that much about him, but he'd lived there so long in Hesham that he spoke with a broad Lancashire dialect. He said, Bath, not Bath. He said, Uz, not us. So he spoke like most people here. Mm-hmm. And I believe it's the first instance of a black person speaking in a Lancashire dialect in the English language, in the English literature. You know, in all of... I've never seen any other... You know, so that's 1765. Wow. Um, and so you're not going to ask what happened to him, are you? Go on. We don't know. The only bit of history we know about Ibu Boy is in that one runaway slave advert. But I think he escaped because there's no more mention of him in Lancashire. Beyond Radio, working with Escape to Make, presents Podcast Our Past. In our school, we found out 
that there were loads of diary extracts and little pieces of information and writings just <laughs> about how life was not just for enslaved Africans, <laughs> but for the actual people in Lancaster and England yes. at that time. Yeah. It was quite interesting to see all no, of that. No, I mean, I mean and, and they can give us so much information. Yeah. You know, so for instance, some of the slave traders kept little books sort of about their purchases. And in those books, alongside the purchases of cows and sheep, the purchases of human beings often right next door to each other. You know, four sheep, six cows, and an African boy called Washington, for instance. That's quite casual. It's very casual. Now moving on to what you know quite a lot about, can you give us a brief on what Facing the Past is about? Yeah, so I don't know if your listeners know, but there was a um, gravestone a memorial gravestone in the Priory, which was vandalised. It was the Lindo Rawlinson tomb. So we've heard earlier how these two people were slave traders. And the person had written across it, this was the time of Black Lives Matters, Matter in 2020, had written across it, slave trader. Now the vicar said that, he would, that they would clean it off the moment they, they made proper mention of the over 70 uh, Africans who were baptised in the Priory Church. So hopefully soon we will have that rubbed off. A plaque will be put there talking about why it was graffitied and we already have had a memorial in the in the church built by, put up there by the Face in the Past project which was set up in the wake of this graffiti. And it is a beautiful temporary piece you might be able to see it after Christmas, I think. And it's of three, the three Sophias. And it's of Sophia, who's an 11-year-old girl who was baptised, Sophia Philine. And these are imagined portraits of her, which have been created with schoolgirls from Sierra Leone, who we got to do dances thinking about Sophia. And we've made uh, 3D sculptures of Sophia and there are three of them and they'll tour around as well so that people will now think not just of memorialising the slave traders but of also thinking about the lives of the enslaved Africans too. That's really interesting and speaking of the Priory at school as I'd mentioned earlier we were doing a whole topic about like the slave trade and we visited the Priory and saw the vandalised tomb. Yes. And we also our teacher told us a story about how there was enslaved girl and when she grew up and she died her hand was cut off and buried so this is Frances Elizabeth Johnson yes and did you see where her memorial stone is yes in yes. the priory mm. and of course her body is not buried there we don't know yeah. where her body is buried in 1940 above the fireplace in a house in Gloucestershire there was a severed hand. And it was said it was belonged to the black ser- servant who had been bought from the West Indies in 1777, who was a favourite, favourite enslaved African of the Satterwhite family. Mm, I've heard of them. Yeah. yeah. And she was bought over by her mistress, Polly Rawlings, who married John Satterwhite. And they lived in Castle Park, in, so it's just right by the castle. 
So when that hand, the hand was almost certainly cut off after her, her, her death, and it was cut off as in the same way as people kept the paw of a loved dog. Horrible. It is horrible. It. it is horrible. A way of mem- remembering her, but also, I believe, a way of keeping her in, yes. her in that same space of being their plaything, the thing that they own. The way that they've related it to something that is like an animal and then yeah, they've related a human to that. Well, that, that's how these things are related in slavery. We saw that earlier when I was talking about how you put the things you own next to each other and the slave is the same thing as your livestock, the enslaved African is. So it is deeply disturbing. So it was handed down and the descendant of the Satifwaites, obviously, when she got this wanted to do the right thing with the hand. She mm. took it to St Kitts, where yes. Elizabeth Francis Elizabeth Johnston had come from. But in St Kitts, they said, no, the hand needs to be buried as, buried as close to the body as possible, according to our beliefs. And so she brought it over, and in the end, it was buried in the memorial gardens at the Priory. That was very interesting. Thank you. And what are you doing in general, in the project to improve Lancaster? So we've created a Lancaster Slave Trade Abolition and Fair Trade Trail, Mm -hmm. and we have a digital archive. So you can go to Facing the Past Digital Archive. You can follow the trail, and on that trail will be loads of resources and information all about all the different people. I don't know if you've been on that site yet. No, but I will go on. Yeah, and there'll be so much more information for your projects. You're going to get an A for your projects now if you've been (laughs) listening to me here. But it is, it's a wonderful site. We also, in a cognate project to Facing the Past, did a wonderful exhibition at the judges' lodgings with the portraits of, have you seen these? Yeah. Of Layla Harris, and they're going to be there forever now. So if you go to the judges' lodgings when it reopens in March, those drawings and paintings that based on these individuals that we found out about through the project on the Ibu Boy, John Chance, who was a uh, enslaved African of the Lindo family, Thomas Anson, who ran away from Dent, played the trumpet, ended up joining the British Army and getting a British Army pension. Uh, Molly, who was baptised in the Priory and died just three months later. Yeah, and, and, you know, there are so many of them. There are so many of them, but you can see six portraits of black Lancastrians now alongside the slave traders. Up until that moment, we had this exhibition. The slave traders were there by themselves as though they owned the place. This shows us that black people owned the place too. Beyond Radio, working with Escape to Make, presents Podcast Our Past. Just what you said. People would normally say that black lives were, they always ended sadly. But like you just said now, somebody joined the army and got a pension. So they weren't always as sad. Well, well, exactly. And that's one of the reasons I did a revised version of this trial to tell some of those stories, to tell the story of abolition, the way people fought against slavery. So Sarah Parker Remond came here to Lancaster. She spoke in the Palatine Hall against slavery, a free um, black American woman. And, you know, so I wanted to tell those stories. I wanted to tell the story of the cotton famine, where Lancaster workers refused to deal with cotton produced in the American South. And they, they, they starved because of it. You know, so, and I wanted to tell the stories of the Africans who escaped, like Ibu Boy, like Henry Hind, 
or Harry yes, Hind. I've heard of that. Yes. Who escaped? He escaped, and it says he escaped with no clothes. So I talked to the kids who I talk on this tour, and they say, "Well, I say, well, did he go run away naked?" And of course he didn't. What he'd done very cleverly, because the major way they find the slaves is by knowing what clothes they escaped in. I think he hid the clothes months before, escaped in his underwear, and then put the clothes on. You know, showing that kind of, um, you know, adventurous spirit. And we, we, don't, we don't know if he escaped, but he might well have done. Ebu Boy, he escaped. Thomas Anson, he's the trumpeter. Uh, you know, so, you know, I think that's the important thing, not to tell these stories all about kind of despair and melancholy. Yes, we have to be realistic, but actually Africans made lives despite the awfulness of the slave trade once they got to, to, to Britain or in, in the Americas. Think of the wonderful cultures of black Americans and how they've yes. spread all over the world. Mm. The music, and that music often comes from slave roots. The liveliness, yes. Yeah. That was quite a clever trick that they played. And it's like to know that people also revolted against it. It's really nice to think that it's not just sadness in it. No, and exactly. So, and that gives you hope, doesn't it? That when people are oppressed, they don't sit there and take it. And just that thing that people could overcome the French government. The French government owned uh, the San Domingo and the, the, the slaves in Haiti fought against their oppressors and set up the first black republic. Mm. In school, we also had this poem in Black History Month on like a, a book and a poem. All right, okay. I don't remember what it was called, but it was quite interesting, the book. Mm. What was the theme of the poem? Um, well, they were quite. it was like a book and a poem, and yeah. it was like on the different pe- black people who also created history. Yes, yes, brilliant. You know, I think that's the really important thing is that far too often Africans have been seen as the victims and we need to sort of look back in that history because there are many heroes, both in Africa itself because Africans fought the slave traders in Africa as well. Both the um, Africans who, who elites who were slave traders and the white Europeans. And I think the book was written by someone who was actually not black and right. it was... It was good to see that how they respected and they just they saw the people for who they were. Which is great, which, yeah. which is how it should be. And that's why this black history is so important and why I've been doing it for 40 years, because we have to tell these stories. That, and in telling yeah. these stories, we, we, can, we can create new history. That is very important. Right, the last one. Mm-hmm. What has been, the, according to you, the yeah. most important thing to register about the slave trade? Oh goodness! That's I, I, you said. I, you asked me at the beginning whether I wanted to see what what questions. I said no. I'll just be able to answer them all. I've got yeah. So, what is the most important thing about the slave trade? Which we could register and maybe change. Yeah. So I, maybe the most important thing is is that unfairness and slavery still continues today. If you look at cocoa and its production, if you look at clothing and its production. Mm. So one of the things that we always do in the organisations I'm involved in is to talk about the fact that we, we want people not just to think about the past, but to think about changing their world now by being ethical consumers, by thinking about where things come from, because then maybe we can use... Because that's exactly what people did when they thought slavery... They um, boycotted sugar. 
and sometimes they wouldn't wear cotton from from the North America like, where it was slave yeah. produced as a revolt. Yeah, as a revolt. So we can still do things today. I think that's that's maybe the message. Mm, that's a very good message. Thank you. And there's like some places in like the maritime as part of the trip. We went there as well. Yes. And you got to there were some places there where you could learn about it, but it was fun. Like yeah. there were models of ships. Yes. Models of like Lancaster. You could smell the kind of products. No. I think that's the way we really need to make sure that people have as many ways to find out about this as possible. And it should not be buried. For far too many years, it was buried. Yeah. So well done you for uh, doing this podcast and making sure it doesn't get buried. Thank you. There was also a bridge near the Loon. Yeah. It was like a bridge was built on a bridge, but there was like an old one. And yes. where the ti- when the tide goes in, you can see the bridge which the ships went through there was a ship building there where the sainsbury's car park is now where uh, slave ships were built Mm. and yes the the the, they came up the loon ships would sometimes have to stop at sunderland point because they were too big and they'd send in the goods anyway but yes that was a thriving port and the um, maritime museum is the old customs house which was built specially because lancaster was growing big on west indian and slave trading I think from the slave trade, what you could learn is you learn more about your past and it's quite important to know all those facts. And I think you've given me loads of information, which even I didn't know. And it was really interesting. It was really interesting. It's been lovely talking to you. You too. Thank you. Thank you very much. Beyond Radio, working with Escape to Make, presents Podcast Our Past. It's so interesting to think that our little town of Lancaster is home to such extensively worldwide situations in our history. One of such is the artist Lubaina Himid, an inspiring figure painting emotional pictures with every stroke reliving the pain of the past. These are painted on cutlery, cups, plates or just normal canvases and has won many awards. Her works such as water jugs being displayed in Preston and the Maritime Museum. And this is my podcast on the slave trade, which you must agree is an interesting topic where we can all try to redeem our mistakes that ruined the lives of our own humankind. This is a topic where we can all learn something new, which I hope my podcast helped with today. Thank you for being such an amazing audience. Anuchiasin. Podcast Our Past. Stories from the history of the Lancaster and Morecambe area.